Welcome to EcoAlarm, the podcast where we break down the major factors affecting the environment and explore what we can do to help. I'm your host, Bo. And I'm your host, Imani. And today we'll be talking to Bilal, a senior engineer at 12. 12 is a company focused on turning CO2 into essential products that would have otherwise been made from fossil fuels. Some of the products they make include car parts, detergent, and jet fuel. Today, we're really excited to hear about what Bilal has been working on at 12 and how carbon transformation can help create a fossil-free world. All right, well, I'm super excited to be talking to our guest, Bilal. If you want to just go ahead and introduce yourself and I guess just tell the audience anything you feel is relevant. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. Uh, So my name is Bilal, and currently I'm a senior electrochemistry engineer at a company called 12. And I graduated from USC with a PhD in chemistry uh, not that long ago, just a few months ago, where I worked as part of the Loker Hydrocarbon Research Institute uh, with topics related to energy storage and energy conversion. And before uh, my time at 12, uh, I worked at the NASA Jet Propulsion Lab in the um, Origins and Habitability Labs where I worked on using electrochemistry for alien life detection on ocean worlds. So it's a, it was very interesting um, experience there for sure. Uh, so now I'm doing something a little bit different where I'm trying to uh, utilize my experience in electrochemistry um, at 12 for um, a very, very important topic, which is mitigating climate change and the effect of uh, CO2 emissions on our uh, climate. Uh, at USC, I had a chance to work with um, a lot of different collaborators from USC, a lot of different research labs, and I also had a chance to work with collaborators from other universities as well. So it was a very, very nice experience at USC. And again, I'm very happy to be here, and uh, I can answer any of those questions that you might have for me. Thank you. Yeah, so let's go into that. How how did you discover 12? It, it, I think it would be helpful to have a brief background of Uh, how you discovered it, what the company does, and how it kind of aligns with your interests. Uh, Sure, yeah. So uh, just to go back a little bit before that, uh, my work at USC involved several different projects. Um, I wanted to work on electrochemistry in general, so things related to energy storage, so batteries mainly, and also energy conversion. Um, so I had this broad electrochemistry background. So when it was time for me to look for a job, uh, I was a little bit Uh, maybe uh, trying to apply to a lot of different companies with um, a lot of different positions. So you can, for example, apply to battery companies, companies working on um, electric vehicles. But then also you can apply to companies uh, such as 12 who are trying to do something about global warming or companies who are trying to, for example, make clean hydrogen using electrochemistry. So it's an alternative fuel source, for example. Uh, So 12 was one of those companies that I um, saw online and I've never heard of them before. So I went to their website and I really appreciated the work that we're doing and I was really impressed and I just applied. I decided to apply because I thought it was a very, uh, uh, very uh, good uh, mission that they have. And I I was uh, contacted by someone from 12 and then uh, we set up a series of interviews And I just got this very good feeling about uh, the work that's been done at 12 and then uh, the people working there. And I got a very positive um, interview experience. And then I just decided to go uh, with 12 at that point. Awesome. Sorry, I have a little bit of construction in the background. um, So I didn't want to unmute myself too much. But um, 
I am curious too, like going from NASA, which is such like a large organization to kind of a smaller startup at 12, what was that transition like? That's uh, uh, it's very interesting. Uh, NASA is a great place to work at. Um, I loved everyone I worked with there. Um, it was very nice. Everyone was very approachable and friendly and helpful. Uh, and it was overall just a very um, nice atmosphere. And then um, just work there is amazing. Um, but a big difference between a place like um, NASA or uh, 12 or actually any other uh, private company is you're looking at a government agency versus a private company. Uh, so there's a very big difference there. So at NASA, for example, if you want to place an order for something, uh, you have to go through a lot of red tape and then things just take a lot longer, for example, to get what you need. But at a private company, a uh, place like 12, things happen a lot faster. So it's a very different kind of working environment. So that was one of the biggest uh, changes for me, at least. And then at 12, as you mentioned, it's a very, uh, it's a smaller company. So it's a lot smaller than the Jet Propulsion Lab. It's uh, So everyone pretty much knows everyone there. I like it a lot because uh, you build more of those uh, personal connections uh, with people. Uh, So that's that's definitely something uh, really nice about working at 12. And so you mentioned that things kind of move a little bit faster. I think the audience might be interested in just a few examples of things 12 might be working on, whether you're directly working on them or not. So uh, if you're trying to, uh, let's say we come up with an idea and we want to test this idea. So you'll need to order materials, chemicals, um, uh, and basically just things to set up uh, your experiment. Um, You'll need to be in contact with engineers, for example, to have like a test station or so on. Um, At uh, the NASA, uh, Just Propulsion Lab, things uh, will take time. So if you want to order chemicals, there's all the forms you have to go through. You have to be in contact with many different people, many different departments. Uh, So if you want to order like a chemical, for example, it might take a few months. If we compare that to 12, you don't have as much red tape. So things will just happen at a much faster pace. So that's basically um, the big difference there. Gotcha. And is it mostly just working on like lithium batteries or are there other, I guess, projects that 12 is working on related to climate change? Okay, so 12 works on, um, it doesn't work on uh, with batteries. So we don't do any battery work at 12. What we do is, so it's it's a carbon transformation company. Uh, So the goal is to take um, carbon dioxide from the air and transform it to uh, useful products and chemicals that we can use. So um, maybe I can give you a a little bit of background about exactly um, what we do and why we do it. So basically everything on Earth, uh, all living things, it's carbon based, right? And there's this carbon cycle where you have, uh, if we breathe, we're putting in CO2 in in the atmosphere and then CO2 gets recycled into uh, carbon and then just the cycle keeps going and going. Since the industrial revolution, now there's a lot of CO2 uh, being uh, just pumped into the atmosphere and then we have a rise in CO2 levels and then that's causing global warming. Um, So 12 is basically saying that we should look at things Uh, a little bit differently. It's basically a new generation of chemical company where we're saying that we can just make everything that we need. We can make plastics, we can make jet fuel, we can make car fuel and any kind of products. 
by just capturing CO2 from the air and using electricity to transform it to any product that we need uh, without having any emissions. So it would be carbon neutral. Or in some cases, if you're capturing CO2, it would actually be carbon negative. So we're really we're reducing the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere. Is that business model profitable on its own, just capturing carbon and making products off of those? Uh, that's, that's a great question. So um, if you look at um, a lot of the research that's been done on a term called carbon capture, um, that's been used a lot as a way maybe to reduce the uh, CO2 levels in the atmosphere. But it's a pretty expensive process, and then it's not preferable if you just capture the CO2 in the atmosphere. Um, so I don't know if you've heard of having like synthetic trees where they can just like capture CO2 from the air, and then you can like just store it underground. But once you do that, there's no there's no product there. Um, there's that's definitely not preferable. What Twelve is doing is they're taking that CO2 that's captured, and then they're adding value to it. So they're they're uh, transforming it into something that's useful. So it's a value added product that they can actually now use to make products that they can sell to the consumer. And that's the beauty about 12. It's saying that it's not just about the environment. We also want to improve processes and industry. We want to contribute to the economy. So if you can combine those two together, then uh, you have basically uh, a very good business model. So what sorts of products can you make out of carbon? Uh, oh, uh, a lot of things. Um, so if you look at how things are made right now, it's all mainly made from uh, petroleum. So you have a lot of different petroleum products. You can make things like jet fuel, uh, marine fuel for ships, all, all kinds of plastics. So plastic is basically just polymers made from carbon. Uh, so there's a huge um, number of products. It's a huge industry where um, you can make many, many different things. So at 12, we've already um, demonstrated that we can make uh, products that are of equal uh, quality as things that are made from fuel, but it's 100% sustainable and it's 100% CO2 neutral. So we're not, we didn't really actually cause any emissions making those products. And uh, we call these products CO2 made products. So if you can, if you go to our website, for example, you'll see an example of uh, car parts that we made uh, in collaboration with Mercedes-Benz. Those parts are exactly the same uh, specs as the products that are made in a traditional way. But the only difference is, is they're made from CO2, a much more sustainable way. Uh, we've also worked on other things as well. So things like making uh, lenses for glasses. And uh, it's a polycarbonate. So those are how lenses are usually made. So uh, kind of like a plastic material. And you can make those using CO2. And another big one is jet fuel. So we've partnered with Alaska Airlines to make carbon neutral uh, jet fuel. So that doesn't, we don't really uh, use any petroleum from the ground. We just capture CO2 and then convert it to jet fuel. So when uh, the plane actually flies and burns that jet fuel, it will end up just being carbon neutral. We're not releasing any more CO2 in the atmosphere. The issue of jet fuel too, does that take away the issues with some of the biofuels that they have with like storage? Yeah. So basically the the product that we end up with when we make the, the it's called e-jet, it was just the e-jet fuel. 
it's exactly the same, chemically speaking, to the jet fuel that we have right now, the traditional jet fuel. There's no difference between uh, the properties of the two materials. The only difference is the source of the carbon, where that carbon came from. Instead of it just coming from the ground when we dig for oil, it's coming from the CO2 that we're capturing from air. And that's the beauty of it. It's exactly the same product. So I'm curious because um, I guess I've heard about other companies who do similar things, pulling um, carbon from the atmosphere for environmental reasons, like you said, and they, they put it under rocks or in the ocean. How come they did not make try to make use of it uh, in terms of consumer products or jet fuel or uh, just any way that you could profit off of the raw material, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, that's that's a that's a great question actually, and um, it's because those are two separate technologies. So the technology to capture um, CO two is different than the technology to transform CO two into other uh, useful products. Um, so twelve is taking that extra step to transform CO two into those useful products, and that involves a lot of uh, research, a lot of R and D, a lot of uh, scale up work, and so on uh, that other companies have not done yet. Uh, so basically we're leading this effort into developing all these technologies that we need to go from just CO2 into products that we ha can have in our daily lives. And I think that that's been like the missing link that we didn't have before. And that will, uh, just going through those steps, you'll have to worry about things like cost. Cost is one very important factor. Why would companies choose to use our materials versus just using materials made from traditional uh, resources? So if we can bring down the cost where the cost of these two things are equal, people 100% of the time will choose the more sustainable option. And that's what we're trying to do at 12. Would you say the focus going forward, I mean, on top of reducing the costs, is there any other kind of transformations that 12 is looking at doing in the future? or anything that's kind of in that R&D space? Uh, we work on um, many different uh, products. So the what we start with, the, the fuel or the starting product is carbon dioxide, but we can make so many different materials uh, by just reducing carbon dioxide. Um, we can uh, make things like, as I mentioned, the jet fuel products. Uh, we also uh, recently, uh, we're going to go into making uh, marine fuel uh, for ships, which is another huge source of emissions in the, in the industry. Um, so you can also make things like plastics and plastics are a very broad field. So there's a lot of different types of plastics. So they can go into things like car parts, clothing, mentioned glasses, things like uh, carpet, for example, that's all plastic. So there's really a very big market for these products. So once we develop the first step where we just reduce carbon dioxide, we can also take that product and make many, many different products out of it. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of room there to uh, make more and more products as we uh, move forward. You mentioned that before, um, if two products are identical, one is made traditionally and the other way, the other product is made sustainably, like what 12 is doing, then consumer would 100% time choose the sustainable product. And that makes sense. But uh, you also mentioned that uh, 12 is working on bringing down the cost um, of having those 
uh, equal? Is is 12 at that place yet or close to that point yet? Or if not, um, how how is it doing differently to make that make sense? Are there outside their policies probably in favor of, uh, I would assume, or um, maybe ESG investing that size on the, the investor side? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So when we when we started, uh, when you start in the at the R and D level uh, or R and D stage, cost is not really the issue. You were just trying to at that point get the technology to work. But as we moved forward and started uh, scaling up our process, um, costs have significantly dropped. Uh, so they're now a lot lower than what they were before. And as we continue to expand and scale up, costs will continue to fall to levels comparable to traditional uh, carbon sources. But also you mentioned uh, policy, which is a very important thing as well. Having policy in place will kind of offset the costs of using um, sustainable uh, fuels or just sustainable technologies in general. And that doesn't just apply to 12. It can apply to many different industries. And then uh, so we're always looking for policy from the government to push us to go and move forward towards uh, a more sustainable economy. I'm wondering, too, if the products, especially with our conversation of creating plastics in this way, if they are kind of creating an identical material, then is there still concern about like the end of life cycle since would it like be biodegradable in any way or like what plants does 12 have to like manage what happens after they're thrown out? Yeah, that's a great question too. So there's, yeah, there's many different plastic products, obviously. So you can uh, use our product to make biodegradable plastics because it's just the way that you make the polymer, you can make it more biodegradable. But then for things like car parts, for example, um, so you expect the life of the car to be 10, 15, 20 years, you actually don't want it to be easily biodegradable. So you want something to last longer. So in that case, it won't be uh, biodegradable, for example. Uh, so it really depends on what we want as an application. Uh, so plastics have a big problem in terms of how biodegradable they are, especially the single-use plastics. And that's a different topic, actually, because it's more than just emissions. Now we're going into uh, how we're disposing of all these different uh, plastics and all these different uh, materials. Uh, but yes, you can make biodegradable products depending on uh, what the application is. Okay, awesome. I am curious to just to kind of like pedal back a bit. Um, for anyone who's listening that might be interested in electrochemistry or carbon transformation, do you have any advice on like where to even start getting into this field? I feel like I would listen to this episode and like kind of be overwhelmed. So mm -hmm. if you have any advice to someone who might be listening to this episode and thinks it's interesting. Yeah, sure. Uh, maybe we should have started with what electrochemistry is. Uh, maybe that would have been a, a good point to start. But basically, electrochemistry is a very, very broad topic. It just encompasses all chemical reactions and processes that just involve transfer of electrons. So electrons are what's responsible for electricity, basically. And it's really all around us. So when you're breathing, you're doing electrochemistry because you're taking oxygen and then combining it with water and then you're breaking it down into fuel in your body, basically. And then uh, photosynthesis, what plants do, it's also electrochemistry. Uh, bacterial cells do electrochemistry. Whenever we use a battery, uh, that's all electrochemistry. So it's a very, very broad topic. 
if people are interested in electrochemistry, so I would say if you like science, if you like engineering, um, you can go that route where you can do research in electrochemistry or just um, electrochemical engineering in general. But even then, there's also um, many different ways you can contribute to electrochemistry. So for example, let's say you like uh, math. Um, you can go into modeling, for example. You can model processes in batteries and then work on how you can improve these batteries. If you like organic chemistry, you can go into synthesis if you like to work in lab. If you hate synthesis, you can do things like analytical chemistry or physical chemistry. Or if you don't like chemistry at all, you can go into engineering and where you don't have to touch any chemical at all. So there's really a lot of things you can do if you just like electrochemistry in general and decide which uh, area to go into. So the lab I worked at actually at uh, USC, it was the Narayan Research Group. Uh, we had a very diverse group of people. So we had organic chemists, inorganic chemists, we have uh, physical chemists and a lot of engineers. So you can have a very broad uh background, a group of people with very broad uh, backgrounds. So it's really, really uh, interesting. So if you're interested in electrochemistry and you like science, I would recommend uh, maybe going to seminars, listening to people giving talks about electrochemistry or uh, areas that might interest you, uh, like uh, fuel cells, solar cells, uh, batteries, and so on. Uh, you can also reach out. Uh, I think that's the best way to just know more or if you want to try something with electrochemistry just to do it, just reach out to people uh, who are doing research in electrochemistry. There's a lot of professors at USC actually um, doing research in electrochemistry in the engineering department and the chemistry department, physics and so on. So you can always uh, do that. But let's say you don't like science at all. You can still be part of electrochemistry and then be part of companies like 12. So at 12, we have a very um, diverse group of people with different backgrounds. So there's obviously the engineers, there's the scientists, but then you also need managers. You need people who know a lot about finance, uh, IT, people's operations, and you know all kinds of people that can just get the company to function properly and so we can all achieve our goal. And I would say all these dif different people, they're all equally important to the success of the company. Uh, so you don't really have to be a scientist or an engineer to uh, work in electrochemistry or in a field related to electrochemistry and sustainability. Awesome. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap it up for today. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. And hopefully that gave people lots of different ideas of how to get involved with electrochemistry and or carbon transformation. So thank sure. you. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Sound the alarm. I'm Savannah. And I'm Sarah. And today we have some exciting news about the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, or the EPA, planning to issue tougher greenhouse gas emissions rules of heavy-duty trucks. Yeah, so the EPA has reintroduced a bill that would create a commercial vehicle credit for up to $40,000. And this would be able to be spent on electric vehicles and could help us get commercial trucks and larger vehicles like that to transition to electric much faster in the United States. So this could result in up to a 24-25% reduction in carbon emissions um, once the plan is fully implemented, which is really exciting. And transportation is currently the largest source of emissions in the United States, making up 29% um, approximately of our current greenhouse gas emissions. And heavy duty vehicles like trucks, tractors, and other things like that um, are the second highest contributor at 23% of this. 
And so these rules should be issued by the end of 2023 for vehicles through the 2030 model year. And under the EPA's revised schedule, the plan to issue proposed rules are in March and final rules will be enacted by the end of December. And so this follows another environmental hurdle in June when the EPA lost its Supreme Court case against West Virginia with a vote of six to three, limiting their power to set carbon emission standards on power plants, effectively leaving this job to Congress. Yeah, so we've seen some setbacks with um, how the EPA has control over emissions and um, hopefully this can get us back on track to getting closer to cutting our emissions and um, transitioning over to more electric vehicles in the future. So thanks for watching and we'll see you next time. For more information on EcoAlarm and resources on topics covered in this episode, follow us at EcoAlarm Podcast on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Thank you guys so much for listening. Tune in every other Friday and we'll see you next time.